This is Power Athlete Radio. With your hosts, Denny Kaye, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. What's up, Power Athletes? Welcome to episode 61 of Power Athlete Radio. We got a good one, as always. We got the Power Athlete coaches, Luke, Tex, John. Is Callie there? I thought I heard her in the background. Uh, yeah, Callie's here, but she's going to be multitasking. Multitasking. Uh, Playtex with us, and Scott Wilson, fresh from the NPFL. Here we go. We are What's going on, gentlemen? What's up, Danny? What is it, Scott? Thanks for joining us, dude. I know it's early there in the down in Aussie. No, it's all right. I appreciate the opportunity to come on board. You got it, Scott. So, you know, I was listening to episode 60 after I had the bail, and Luke, you and Tex just freaking knocked it out of the park, man. What, with Batman talk? We have to say that to the end. But let's, we can use Batman to, uh, Later in the template, right when we get to the useless information update. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like your whole points on the the dynamic warm up, you know how there's a market for it. Um, just kind of you know listening to what Steve said and, and how he was kind of disappointed in some of the, uh, you know some of the better teams in that uh, at that combine, how they weren't warming up there. It's kind of like, well, I'll warm up when we get out on the grid. Um, I thought maybe we could just kind of pick up where that conversation left off since we got Scott and get Scott's opinion on how he felt um, those athletes were warming up and, and what he saw as far as their performance. So, Scott, that's your cue, amigo. Oh, man. Um, well, I, uh, I was a little disappointed. The first day I was first up um, for – uh, 8 a.m. I was on the 8 a.m. race, so I had to be there at 6.30. And by the time I finally met my coaches and we had the discussion and tried to hash out a plan how we were going to attack the wor- uh, the workout, um, I only had about 10, 15 minutes to actually get warm. So I jumped on the row. I did a quick 1,000-meter row. And then um, I, I had to hit a 2.45 snatch straight up. So I just began to warm a snatch. Um, on my second day, I felt like I had a much better warm up because we sat down with the coaches, we discussed the plan, we we got a template for what we were going to do that day, and then we had about 30, uh, 35 minutes to get warmed up. So I um, I used what I've seen on the field strong program. Um, I have to do a lot of deadlifts, and if any of you know me, I'm a terrible deadlifter, so I primed um, my posterior chain as best I can. Um, did a lot of dead bugs, um, a lot of the knee hug, uh, drunk lunge with the twist, um, just some uh, banded good mornings, uh, some inchworms, just try to get myself as best prepared there, um, and then jumped on the rower, hit a few intervals, like a few intense two, 300-meter sprints um, with about a minute's rest in between. And then I did that, and I had to do a lot of box jumps the day before. I had to do a lot of box jumps on that day too. So um, I uh, 
did a lot of calf stretching. And I don't know, um, I listened to episode 60, so I know you've heard there was a girl, she actually uh, ruptured Achilles, so I was pretty glad I spent the time warming up my um, warming up my calves and my Achilles because I didn't fancy having a full rupture of my tendon. Yeah, that, yeah, I forgot how that worked. Did that, was she doing like rebounding box jumps yeah. or the box so jump overs now? Yeah, she like jumped onto the box, jumped down, and then just it just went straight away. Um, the day before, I had to do like full full jump overs of the box, and I was having to do a burpees to ten foot uh, reach on a target. Um, and I, I after I done my events, I went and seen the um, the chiropractor, and uh, went and seen the massage therapist, and got my uh, calves rubbed out because I traveled. 20, 20 hours to get to the Vegas combine. So sitting all that time on planes was was not good for my health. No, not at all. If you gotta get up every hour and just do max rep calf raises, get that calf pump on the airplane. This, this is much. true, actually. Uh, Luke, Luke and I worked uh, or talked with Doctor Yu about travel, and he said that blood clots start in the calves. So if fun fact for our listeners, if you got to go out, you know, six plus hours travel. Pop up, do some calf raises to not clot your blood. No, no, no. It's to really get your calves to pop. You just want that good calf pop, you know, in case you get the calf off. <laughs> For the plane yes. walk. I guess you there's your superficial and deep meaning. Calf off? Calf off, yeah. Me and Wellborn have them all the time. First place, undisputed. <laughs> wait, what about wait, wait, come out there. Uh, oh, wait, Playtech, you got those calves going? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> well you have to show well, up I, I guess we should back up a little bit i mean uh steve how did you and scott hook up just purely power athlete you know we met on a dating site and, yeah i was gonna uh, say yeah, uh, they met on tinder That's uh, uh, for the record it was, for it was record, power athlete dating Power athlete mingle. I can see the commercial <laughs> Power athlete space docking. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I posted in the uh, Field Strong um, forums quite a while ago asking John for his advice and his opinion on the MPFL and how he thought I should. I ignored you. And then. Um, Steve, maybe about a month later, posted saying that he'd went to the Atlanta Combine and it, um, he gave us a rundown of his performance. So I actually uh, was back and forth about messaging him, like was unsure about whether he was approachable or not. And then um, I just decided one day I'd, I'd message him on Facebook and Steve's been a great help to me. Like um, he's an asset to the Power Athlete HQ um, guys. Like he, he messaged me back immediately um, any questions I had, any any thoughts I had, he gave me his uh, honest opinion. Um, he's been a he's been invaluable asset to me, like um, definitely a massive help when I went to the Boston Combine, and then it was uh, good to finally meet him when I got to Vegas. Vegas, it's good stuff. That is. So, so Scott basically messaged me and asked, you know, what my experience was like. What are they looking for? Um, et cetera, et cetera. And then we caught up afterwards and talked about whether we were going to go to Vegas and what it was going to be like. And if we reached out to teams and so it was just kind of, uh, like the blind leading the blind, you know, there, yeah. the MPFL combine situation is not one in which, um, it, it was well, the first time it's happening. Right. So a lot of the, a lot of the kinks are being worked out on the fly. 
And as an athlete being in the dark, um, that's unsettling. And so it was cool to have someone that you could talk to who's, who felt the same, you know, like, I don't know, nobody talked to me, I didn't hear anything, um, and just talk about And we just talked about training. We actually um, exchanged some some ideas about training. So uh, um, Scott is a big-time weightlifter, so he focused on that a little bit. I am not a big-time weightlifter. So we talked about kind of the things we were going to focus on and specialize. Um, and then uh, how, how do we hook up once we're in Vegas? I guess we just we met at the, uh, the introduction oh. on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did a bit of retail therapy. So did you guys? Uh, did you guys have uh, or Scott? What was what was your experience there? How do you think you performed? Where do you think you fell short? Where do you think you knocked it out? Uh, of the park? So prior to the um, prior to the Boston Combine, I had a few injuries, and I went there and I thought I performed really well. I, I hit a nine kilo PR in my snatch. I hit a uh, one uh, one thirty four, which is two ninety five pounds. Um, hit a 155 clean and jerk and did 18 muscle ups on the first day. And the second day I felt my performance in the teams was good. Um, he's actually took the piss out of me and, um, said that I got crushed by the weight, which, uh, kind of did happen, um, on my races on the last day on, in the Boston combine, I, I went to clean uh, 315 and I slipped the, the mats were quite slippy and I slipped back and I, got, I had to bail out of it and was lucky that I had a teammate in my team who I could tag in. Um, and obviously I posted in the forums saying that there was a, there was a big hustle with, um, with what had happened. I, originally I wasn't invited back and then I was invited back and, um, I was unsure whether I was going to go to Vegas. Um, my lead up to Vegas wasn't great to be honest as well. I had, um, I developed intersection syndrome where the two tendons in the thumb, um, got inflamed and I actually had two cortisone injections prior to going to Vegas. So. I traveled to San Francisco for a week um, to try and prepare as best I can. Um, but the only thing I could do was squats and airdyne work and just try and rest my wrist up as best I can. Um, yeah. And finally, when I competed um, on the Monday, uh, I felt and everyone else who saw me or had known me previously um, was really happy with my performances. Um, I didn't make many mistakes. Um, everyone makes small mistakes. Um, a few times I was a bit over eager when rope climbed the rope, but other than that, I, um, I thought I stood out on the Monday and then, um, yeah, on this, on the Tuesday, uh, same again, like I was, I was pretty happy with my performance. Um, had to hit hundred pound dumbbell thrusters and three or five pound, um, power cleans and snatches. Like I'm as, as Playtex said, I'm a weightlifter, so I was probably one of the smallest guys there, uh, about 87, 80, 86 kilos. Um, and yeah, I was, there were some guys who were pretty big, but I'm, I'm able to handle the weight. So, and my gymnastics are pretty good. So I was, I was, to be honest, I was more than happy with my performance. Um, I was actually pretty ecstatic. Um, I got told that I wasn't making it through to the third day. Um, due to some visa situation. Um, Tony and the guys at the MPFL were really good. They I had obviously had questions. Uh, I asked the questions and immediately got a response saying, look, we're having issues with uh, certain international uh, athletes' visas. So um, Tony and the guys at the MPFL are doing a really good job. And I was personally really happy with my performances and I hope for the best. And wish for the best and hopefully a team decides to contact me and see whether I'll be able to go out and join them. 
Gotcha. So nothing, nothing back yet. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to be a bit pro more proactive and I'm going to message a few of the teams and ask them what their opinions were and see where they are and um, just try to put myself out there. I was pretty active um, in communicating with the teams prior to the combines and after the combines. So I've still not done anything and it's been a few days now. So I'll, gotcha. uh, I'll send them a message. Do, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll contact them, especially if it's all so new. Yeah, it's hard because I obviously I live in Australia. Um, I don't go to local throwdowns. I don't go to regionals. I'm not a I'm not a regionals competitor. I don't have that engine. Um, I'm a weightlifter. Playtech said I won New South Wales State Champions last year and um, went to nationals and hopefully we'll do the same this year. Um, but. Yeah, it's, it's hard for international athletes unless you've got a big following on Instagram and stuff like that, which I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not great. Yeah. You just need more shirtless selfies. Yeah, you got to pop that, that shirt off. Yeah, shirtless <laughs> selfies. It. Yeah, and yeah, so I mean, yeah, you really don't have to be good at much. He's got to be able to take a lot of shirtless selfies. <laughs> What's your tan like, Scott? We went to uh, the beach club in Vegas, and I was in my Speedo. There yeah, you go. Man. Now you got it. You got any Instagrams of that? Yeah, you Instagram that. The uh, yeah. only thing I could recommend, yeah. though, is you got to let the hair grow a little longer, a.k.a. Luke Summers style. Uh, not everyone yeah, Well, I, I'll tell you it's a funny story. Um, I got my girlfriend into Field Strong, and um, she's been following it now for about three months. Um, she's similar to me. She's she's had decrovane uh, tenosovitis, so it's um, similar to what I had, the uh, intersection syndrome, but it's further up the wrist. And she's really struggled to do much gripping. So she got onto Field Strong, was following uh, Power Athlete One, um, the just the basic linear progression, and she's been really enjoying it. And obviously, watching all the demonstration videos, she's got a bit of a uh, crush on Luke right now. So whoa, yeah. Oh. Don't worry, I'm a taken man. But if anything yeah. happens, she can hit me up. <laughs> over, uh, no. California Luke on Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, that's funny, man. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it was. I mean, we were looking for actually good-looking models, and I ended up with Luke. So no, but it's derelict. It's like the rugged, real. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's like, like Mugatu and Zoolander is derelict campaign. I you were around for so long, and I wanted you, but then I didn't want you. Now I can I can't have you. No, it's funny how things were going. Funny how things were going like that. But uh, well, that's good, man. She she is like in the program though. She's one of our female uh, female followers, huh? Yeah, she's she's really enjoying it. Um, she likes structures. So previously, she was at um, Reebok CrossFit GCS under Darren Coggle. Um, she made a really big commitment. She lives out west in Sydney, so she used to travel 45 minutes to train there. Um, she would park a car in the morning, go to work in the city. She's a financial advisor. Come come back at night, train from 6:30 or. 6.45 to uh, 8 o'clock, uh, 7, 8 o'clock, whatever it was, and then she would uh, drive home another 45 minutes. So she did. She was really committed and really committed to making the teams for regional. But um, about December, so it's been about six months now, she developed the uh, the Decrovane's tennis virus and unfortunately was just out the running in the open and stuff like that. But the programs allowed her to train, and she enjoys all like the warm-up drills, the dead bug stuff. Like she's always talking about now, she wants to get scapjacks. So 
Well, yeah, our, uh, our, yeah, well, I mean, you know, our program's well thought out. Daz is just a hack, and he's stolen our stuff for God, years. Just so, jab you know. Daz. <laughs> well, he's short, and he's, you know, kind of funny looking. So. <laughs> it's all right, though. He's so all right. We're good buddies with Daz out there. Yeah, we bust his fucking yeah, I, I'm a darn. I actually have a bottle of Bundaberg Red sitting on my desk right here that Daz left last time we saw him. So, yeah, every time I see him, he brings me this fucking Bundaberg, and I'm like, stuff, I can't drink that stuff. <laughs> So then I drink it, but uh, yeah, I want the moonshine. Good stuff. What? Uh, so what's next on on the agenda here? So we're talking a little bit about just warm ups and a lot of the things that popped at that Vegas combine in terms of injuries, and then then we wanted to talk a little bit about cool downs or or perio workout kind of activity if you're in a multi event day, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were talking about. A, a, a good market for uh, warming up athletes and preparing them for, um, you know, in episode 60, we were talking NPFL, but, you know, say you're going to go to a local throwdown weekend thing, or if it's just a day, you're going to be asked to do like, you know, three or four workouts in a day, you know, warming up and being prepared for that and getting the CNS firing and all that uh, is obviously important you know but what about like cooling down what about just denny, kinda... uh denny the the smartest way to look at this is um you know obviously the first time you go out and you're getting into some form of competition you're getting into your first training deal <clears throat> there's really a need to get in really warm up that body and i think people are always afraid that they're going to overexert themselves we actually found the exact opposite true that when we went in to do our warm-up stuff, we would always go out there and do a ton of dynamic work. I mean, no, no static stretching, just all of our dynamic work. But then it was like sprinting, running, uh, all the movement. And uh, I remember coming out of pregame and uh, even our, our warm-ups in football and being so gassed from those, walking back into the through the tunnel into the locker room, I remember thinking to myself, how the fuck am I going to go play this game? I'm smoked. And then you sit down, you rest, you drink some water, all of a sudden you recover. And, you know, obviously the better shape you're in, the faster you recover, you got about 10 minutes. Next thing you know, all of a sudden you go out, you run out the tunnel and you're ready to get, you know, really ready to get into it. You come in at halftime, you know, you make sure you don't sit down too much, you move around and you kind of get ready. But when you start looking at like multiple playing days or like, you know, hey, I got to go do three days, we're going to be three days or three times in pads today or three times in work. The big thing is after, you know, you got to warm up right that first time, but actually that first cool down sets the tempo from everything. So once you come off the field, you got to start with your static stretching. You got to do a lot of your mobility work. You got to find a way to, to really cool that CNS. And we always talk about static stretching, eating some form of carbohydrates and some protein. And for me, it was uh, ice, uh, ice baths. So I know that, that uh, K-Star in his infinite wisdom has effectively uh, destroyed everybody's idea that ice is good. But for me personally, and uh, I will never get away from actually cold water as cooling and calming your central nervous system. Now you sprain an ankle and people might want to argue the benefits of icing versus heat. You can argue that all day, but there's nothing for calming the body, getting you ready and prepping you to get into the next uh, movement, like getting in some ice. So, so John, me, what, if, what if that's like, what if your next events in 45 minutes? Oh, uh, it would definitely get something to eat, uh, something for recovery. And I would do some static stretching. Yes, and something that you've done before, like obviously, if it's don't eat between well, events, if you've never eaten between yeah, events. Yeah, like like there's a big thing too. Um, you know, we we always say like train like you fight. Uh, you know, don't you know go in and do something on game day that you haven't done in practice. I mean, if you watch NFL players, um, 
you know, the exact outfit that I wore in practice was like, you know, I, I didn't change anything for game time. You know, I didn't change anything when it was 110 degrees versus when it was negative 10 degrees. Everything had to be the exact same because you know what, that's comfortable, that's easy, that's what you know. So um, the way that I arrange a lot of the field strong post-static stretching stuff, I always put them into a little complex. There's always like uh, unilateral and then there's a bilateral unilateral and you do kind of different collection of movements, um, you know, cross the body, open the body, overhead, you know, multiple plane type stuff. <clears throat> so definitely put together your own little static stretching cool down. And as soon as you get off, you know, make sure you get something, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, some form of carb protein. And even if you have 45 minutes, something like, uh, you know, Batargo or, you know, I mean, I, I would never want to eat like a sweet potato or anything heavy or meat, but I would always want something, you know, something pretty light that's easily digested that I could control the amounts. And then, uh, go yeah, through a little static stretching and and then you know definitely ice some stuff i mean cool myself down and then you know when i get back out there just warm up again and definitely try to ramp that sucker back on but you got to be able to prep yourself i mean i think where people really get into trouble is they go and they have one training day or they get in and maybe they do two training day they do a morning and night but yet they go into these throwdowns and they got three or four workouts mm -hmm. that might be in the span of three hours and they're not really ready for that type of stuff sure so i mean you just got to be able to have that adaptation be able to face it to know what you know things are going at what was that steve Oh, I was going to ask him for some more examples. I mean, I've recently, uh, for quick carbs, I've been introducing um, uh, baby food packets. Like, uh, I, I don't know what they're called. They're like little squeezy packets. Yeah. Like, what are some other examples of some easily digestive? Like, like I feel you, like in between workouts, last thing I want to do is eat a steak and a sweet potato. Yeah. Um, and the baby food packets just go down there. They're almost like slushies, but they're sweet potato and apple. Um, yeah, what are um, some other examples? My deal is uh, I always wanted to be like one bite hungry. I know that's uh, that, that was like the way I always sat down, like in the morning for pregame meals. Um, I would always like under eat by a few bites more than like that one overeat bite. I remember one time we sat down and I was really hungry that morning and I ate too much. And like literally, it was, I don't know if it was mental or physical because I mean, we played three hours later. So there's no way that like that food was still in my stomach. But I remember thinking like, oh, I'm so full. I'm so bloated. Three hours later, I was still thinking that and went out and played like absolute dog shit and i remember like thinking like you know like yeah you know you sit down you cut up all your food and i'm looking at it and i'd be like all right <clears throat> okay i'm one bite you know like like one bite to full or you know like you know one bite pass so i was always one bite hungry and that was a big deal for me and then the other big one is i was never a fan of gatorade um gatorade always made my legs feel heavy and i never really liked it so like recovery drinks or any of that type of shit. Just really, I, I just always drank some water. Um, I was never big on, on really any of that stuff. I mean, I, I would drink some Pedialyte if I had some cramping issues. Um, <clears throat> but I think, I mean, it's really whatever you like. I mean, I know uh, when I was in college, my big post-workout deal like as soon as we would get done training i would drink like 18 little tiny you know cafeteria cups of whole milk and that was a big deal for me i mean for some reason i felt better with whole milk and then at some point i kind of started having some digestion problems with whole milk so i got away from that and um you know for me it was just uh you know something that had to be easy digested whether it was some rice or uh you know some fruit or whatever it was something that was just easy to go through the system i mean you know your baby food thing sounds good i really like the batargo um, there was another drink that we had when I played in Philly that was pretty good, like Cytomax, and the Cytomax was pretty good. So, I mean, just anything that you could have that actually had some carbs in it. And I definitely noticed 
uh, a performance benefit when I ate carbs opposed from when I didn't eat carbs in that post-workout meal. And I remember going and looking at like a collection of deals on, you know, how to really cool your central nervous system, speed recovery. The big one was static stretching, um, you know, eat some carbs and uh, a little bit of quiet time. I mean, you know, people never really uh, think about recovery in terms of mental recovery. I know, especially when I was in, uh, you know, big events, a lot of people, you know, kind of like you guys were going through at the NPFL. It's always really nice to find a place where you can just relax a little bit and kind of get away from the hoopla, just kind of mentally collect yourself. And that goes huge. Uh, a little mo- uh, meditation, a little visualization does massive wonders. For yeah, people. I know when the two couple times I've trained with Callie at these throwdowns, she will go to find a corner, wrap herself up and legitimately nap. Like and just go, yep. but that's. I mean, obviously she's not working out in forty-five minutes. It's like three hours until we. Well, I've also been up all night drinking Red Bull vodka. So. <laughs> well, there was. Uh, I, I I think I told the story about playing with Will Shields. Um, I came into Kansas City in my sixth year, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I had like a whole pregame ritual that started like three hours before the game and like an hour before. I you know, and I, I had everything dialed for years. All of a sudden, I'm like, you know, fucking throw on my headphones and start getting into my. Uh, you know, fucking happy place. And I look over and Will Shields is laying on his back in his uniform, snoring, sleeping. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This guy's sound asleep before the game. Sure enough, all of a sudden the coach came in and was like, time, you know, everybody out pregame, you know, we're, we're going out. And all of a sudden somebody goes over and wakes up, you know, shakes Will. He's like, what? Are you ready? Okay. Gotta like, get your mind right. And he walks out and the guy went out and fucking killed people. And I was like, dude. I don't even know what, what concentrations I could fall asleep. So I guess if you want to like draw a boundary around some strategies for listeners, if it's uh, like within an hour, get some stretching in, maybe stretch yeah. out. Like what, what, what have yeah. been targeted by that workout? Maybe like, so the one well, I I always thought about it, like, like people always um, like stretching is so random in a lot of ways. Like that's why with the field strong stuff, I really create, you know, Hey, like these are the stretches. And if you notice, like we don't do a million fucking stretches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, and like we have a million stretches, but I keep the stretches very, very basic. And I usually do like, Hey, I'm going to pick five of these stretches and they're going to be kind of opposing different movements. And you kind of pick different planes, you kind of arrange them. And then you, you know, you practice your stretches and you go in and you're like, okay, that one was good. That was good. And you just stick with them because the last thing you need to do is come in after the workout and be like, man, I need to do some stretching and have no fucking idea what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easier just to get in, relax. Well, and like, and like the biggest thing too is with the stretching and kind of laying down is to keep your adrenaline nice and low. Like you want the adrenaline to peak at the right time, but if you're just constantly adrenaline tires you out. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. The problem with a lot of these workouts is they're longer workouts. Now, if this is something where like the workouts, like a powerlifting like me or something. Yeah, like you can you know pop ammonia caps, you can fucking howl at the moon, contact your ancestors, do whatever you have to do. (laughs) You know, fucking battle cries. You know, you're mixing like dudes spitting in your mouth and you're shattering fucking car windows of your head. That stuff works, but if you try to do that going into like a three-hour competition, I mean, dude, I, I used to see these guys like before the game that were like, ah, fucking screaming. Exactly. I'm like, it's a long road, buddy. Yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, and then like, like the young guys would be like, hey man, how many you guys are all pumped up? I'm like, dude, this is game two. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We literally. have like four more months of this. I mean, are you gonna keep this up for the next 16 weeks? Because I'm gonna go in the fucking bathroom until you fucking shut the fuck up. Or you hear one of the older guys be like, shut the fuck up, fucking rookie. Jesus Christ, you know. Too jazzed. And, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, CrossFit's 
pretty interesting, or let's say, you know, these fitness competitions and this this kind of functional fitness, uh, you know, the MPFL deal are really interesting in that the people that do the best are the people that can stay relaxed under load. I mean, that's like when, when I watched at, the, at the, the regionals, the thing which I was amazed for or was amazed by is that the best athletes, the best performers were the people that looked the most relaxed. Like you at the games, right? I have really no idea how to pace and, and how to relax under load. <laughs> so, well, I, yeah, I, I like, I'm used to being like, you know, and everything was with, because everything was like a five second, seven second battle. It's like, but, yeah. but watching like the, you know, the people, like the guys that were really doing well in the CrossFit, there was like no change in demeanor, no change in face. They were able to like stay relaxed under load. They're doing these movements. They never looked like they were struggling. It looked really easy. And it's just like this, it, and it's so counterintuitive to people because you think, I mean, we always talk about like, like twisting down, spinning legs out, get a big breath, you know, pull down, make yeah. yourself small, you know, like, you know, like create this internal torque within the body. And that's actually, I think the enemy for a lot of, yeah. for all this stuff. For sure. So I know when I did the cross or was doing, you know, across a competition at one time, long time ago the games the, at, at, games at the crossfit games uh <laughs> i fucking imploded well the funniest thing is this morning when we were training you were like oh i'm sorry has anyone else here in this gym gone to the games <laughs> uh, <laughs> i was the, like oh really how uh, much longer do that we was called irony yeah i know that's pretty funny though i was like <laughs> i wouldn't let go uh, well obviously you know i wouldn't let go i mean this I guy uh, look, look over here still talking to me when we were in Austin, Luke got up and was telling high school football stories. Uh-huh. So and there it, it was. to be beach flag football. Stories. Yeah, oh, it's unreal. But uh, it's true. I mean, that that ability to stay relaxed under load, and I think that you know a guy like Scott, who's kind of the weightlifter, who's kind of used to you know creating that torsion and driving that bar, you all of a sudden get into something, and you're like, how do I chill? How how do I relax under a hundred, you know, 315, 140 kilo clean and jerk. Yeah. You know, when I have to do it for 10 reps or, or just enough for that load rather than yeah, just like, enough. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's really added a new layer of complexity to a lot of these athletes and more importantly, the training system. So relaxed under load is what we're going to trademark that. So, uh, Thanks for having me on the podcast and all the best. And um, just want to say a big thanks to Steve for um, taking care of me and giving me all the advice and keep up the good work. Thanks a lot, so guys. You're outside, yeah, you're right outside Sydney. Scott, you're outside Sydney, right? Yeah, well, I actually live in Newcastle, so I'm going to okay. hit you guys up because I know you're doing the, the seminar in, uh, across at Newcastle in the future. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's try and cross paths and uh, reach out to us. So we, whoever's going down there, we can get you, you know, just meet you in person. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, I'll be in contact soon. All right, buddy. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thanks a lot, Scott. <laughs> Tex, how are you doing on time? So Playtech, you're kind of the older statesman now, huh? Like just over there <laughs> taking the young boys under their wing, statesman. showing them away. I don't know about all that, but uh, no, he's a good, uh, he's a good kid. He's strong, a little bit energetic and, um, you know, really, really concerned and everything. And so, I mean, you know, he was cool. So yeah, I kind of helped him out. We kind of hooked up and then chilled and hung out a little bit. So it was fun. Good text. Yeah, we dropped him. He's gone. He's gone. 
Any uh, any stories outside of fi fitness related? Did you guys rage or what did you do? Uh, so what happened after on Friday? Yeah, Vegas. I, actually nothing. So Wednesday night they had a uh, like a little dinner, and um, they had they gave us drink coupons, and um, the drinks were like little solo cups. But it was literally like I got a tequila and ginger, and it was like tequila with a splash of ginger. So people were drinking pretty good. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not the whole like rave thing or whatever. He and his girlfriend got all dressed up to go to some club. Um, but that's just not my jam. Yeah. So, so wait, wait, by like dressed up, are you talking about like tied backpacks and like platform shoes and like, like, uh, um, glow sticks. like glow sticks and like uh, Looney Tunes pants? I wasn't, no, 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 no. Um, like, um, like nice clothing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, that's really oh, different. You mean not not like gym clothing? Not like rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, like right. rage. I thought he said like went to a rave. I was like, no really? rave. No, 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 no. no. I, I don't follow. No, not rave. So ratings uh, out. And what did what did you guys do, Steve? Uh, nothing. Did you have a free day? Yeah, just kind of chilled and um, ate some food and checked out some of the sites. Um, I'm not did a big gambler or anything, so. Really, just kind of decompressed afterwards. Where'd you um, eat? I don't know, dude. Um, what did I eat? Diablo, just gotta get those nachos. Get those nachos. Yeah. I was gonna say that that place you were trying to remember was Diablo's. Yeah. Hey, that does me a whole lot of good now. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, dude. You guys that, are worth the weight in gold. They are delicious. I swear, even if only one person, which is not the case, were to buy, uh, were, were to sign up for the Vegas seminar, we'd still go there. Because it would cover the nachos. Because it would cover the nachos. Whose nachos? Diablo's. Diablo's. Oh, like Diablo. No, not El Diablo. That's a whole different <laughs> show. <laughs> but uh, so what happened on the trip home? I know you got all... all tied up for like 20 hours steve what was uh, what was the drama on the travel yeah it's just um airline shit you know so like if like it's canceled and then we had a connecting flight and that got pushed back and then the flight coming in got delayed and um then there was weather outside of atlanta so it was just i mean like some of it was just basically a clusterfuck but um, did, you, did, did you get flagged for your guns at tsa <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Callie. <laughs> that, You're welcome. You, you did not make it. That was not funny. Because he was wearing right sleeves, right? I, I thought it was happened. funny. Oh, I, think, I think we just jumped a shark or something. Um, that was bad. No, so it was other, I mean, like, all the travel was fine, except that the planes were just delayed, so, and, like, canceled, and so, whatever. That only happens to uh, Tex flying. McWilkin. Yeah, I hate flying. Dude, flying is the absolute worst. I absolutely hate it. I love it. I, I swear to God, uh, I was flying back from D.C. on uh, Sunday, and I fell asleep, and I had a dream about how much, how afraid I was of flying. Like, here I am on an airplane, perfectly safe, like I'm doing fine. And then in my dream, even though I had an eye mask on, my dream was that, like, I was on a separate flight. underneath it? A separate flight, and the plane crashed with it. You like eye cream underneath it to like get rid of the bags? Just cucumbers. Just cucumbers. Rage. <laughs> Anywho. Well, that's a, I guess it's a bummer, man. But honestly, welcome to like welcome that's, to our lives. That's the world of travel, and I don't know if other traveling people who travel for business get that much bullshit with their flights. But I, it seems like every 
every seminar something something's a muck for somebody on our staff for the travel, doesn't it? I mean, well, you're going to Boston this weekend. Wonder what that travel is going to be like. Yeah, the, the airlines are, are crazy. They're overbooked and. Um, well, like um, about about ten years ago, I remember sitting on an airplane and there was never anybody in a middle seat. I remember it was like the weirdest thing. And then all of a sudden I started noticing that every time I got on the plane, every seat was taken. And I remember reading uh, a deal about it on the, on the interweb talking about how they just started cutting roots and they were like, you know what, we were functioning at like 60 to 70% capacity. And they realized that it was, it was more profitable just to cut roots and make sure that every flight was sold out. And uh, that was a, a big change when all of a sudden the, the airlines started going bankrupt and how do you make them more profitable. And then another big one was, you remember they used to be able to take cash on the airlines? So the yeah. air, the, uh, the steward no or the uh, flight attendants oh, used like... to just pocket that cash and that was their party money. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And now they only take credit cards because they just realized that we were losing too much money. So, I mean, there was a bunch of things put in place, but... Um, yeah, no, I think it's just overbooked and oversold. They oversell, you know, every plane, and that's why you get on. They're like, oh, you, we don't have a seat for you yet. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. You know, so they'll take your money, but uh, they'll, they'll make you wait three hours, but you're one minute late, and they're like, sorry, you were not here 45 yeah. minutes. You were 44 yeah. minutes. We can't let you on. You're all, fuck you. So, yeah, I do, I, I do hate flying, and I'm not looking forward to going to Boston this weekend. Yeah, that's a long trip. Bean Town. That's a long trip. That's a long trip. You guys have a seminar out there? We do. Yeah. Yeah, we got two seminars this weekend, actually. We're going to be in uh, Mishwaka, Indiana with Carl Case, uh, one of our coaches. We're going to be at his home gym, just uh, getting some Midwest love. And then John is heading out east to Boston, Reebok CrossFit 1, right? Yes. So I leave we, tomorrow. The Reebok deal. And so John's got a long weekend away from home. He's also got a little private coaching clinic out there as well. Yeah. So they Reebok's having uh, a bunch of games athletes out there. And so they have some coaches, a couple people. I don't really count myself as a coach. I think of myself more as just an athlete that doesn't compete anymore. <laughs> so they asked <laughs> me to come out there and work with their athletes. The games veteran. So I'm trying to, I've been racking my brain for the last couple of days about what I'm going to do when I go there and what I'm going to do with those athletes. And well, I mean, uh, we, we brainstormed a little bit the other day, and I'm going to put them through some testing, and I want to do some performance testing, just, um, you know, not to let the cat out of the bag, but yeah, yeah. in a couple of weeks, there's going to be some testing stuff on Field Strong now that people have been in the program, have been doing it. Uh, they know what to expect. And now we need to start pulling some empirical data for our own work and our own thoughts. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to put some of these people through. A little bit of some you know, unconventional tape. Yeah, well, just things that they don't really do. Yeah, and I want to yes. I, I want to try to get some numbers out of them and see how they perform, and really, you know, help us a little bit. So I'm, I, I was, you know, thinking about it. I'm like, you know, what what do I do that's going to be a benefit? How am I going to be able to help them in their quest to be able to try to win the CrossFit Games? And I think where I'm just a little bit different is that, you know, we really look at like you know, testing matrix, like if an athlete can do this and this is their strength, good. How do we increase their strength? How do we make them a better version of themselves? But more importantly, how do we kind of look at the kind of unconventional type deal? And the other thing too is CrossFit's a little bit, and I'm not gonna, people might disagree with this. It's a little more basic, uh, a little more easier to game. And people think, oh, CrossFit is so hard to program for this. I actually completely disagree. I think it's very easy uh, in that we have, uh, you know, 
functional movements. And, you know, in sport, there's too many variables when you start looking at playing against other athletes. I mean, you start talking about multiple planes of motion moving, just anything can really happen. So when you get into a CrossFit competition, you, you know, you obviously know that there's going to be barbells, there's going to be implements, there's going to be different movement patterns. A lot of those little sagittal plane, you know, we talk about a lot of these things being done in the doorway. And I, I think, you know, as long as you put these athletes in those positions and start testing them and stress them a little bit, I think it'll be interesting. But um, now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do some of a little pre-testing, which we're going to see on Field Strong here in a couple of weeks and see how they do. I also, um, yeah, China Cho is going to be out there. So that was another big one. So I'm stoked to go out there and work with China a little bit. As you know, I coached her for a couple of years and I'm really excited to see how well she's doing and really get out there and just fucking throw a monkey wrench at her and anybody else is out there. So I met China, uh, I met China in Vegas, actually. She's, yeah. um, she's on a team. I think she's on the San Francisco team. Yeah. And uh, saw her walking by at lunch or dinner one time. So I introduced myself and, uh, you know, name dropped a little bit. She's super nice. Yeah, no, China's awesome. Uh, the way we met, you know, I, I've known Freddie for years. And uh, when Freddie and China started dating, um, Freddie brought her down uh, to one of our seminars. Uh, it was actually right after the games. Uh, or right before the games, I can't remember what it was, um, but we had just come back. We did four seminars. Was it four? Yeah, we did four seminars in five weeks in four different countries. So we taught one in Canada one weekend, and the next weekend I was in Norway, and then we were in Sweden, and then we were back in California. So we taught. Yeah, it was like five, four seminars in five in four countries in five weeks, and. China and Freddie came down to that seminar in Orange County. And that was the first time I'd met her. And I remember we were doing the squat stuff and like her knee was so messed up. She had ACL reconstruction, had damaged it, had never really done the proper rehab. I mean, didn't have flexion, didn't have extension, uh, you know, really was just, you know, was really squatting awkward, had to sit way back. I mean, couldn't do anything, couldn't get under the bar. I mean, we went to do the manual assistance and she couldn't even bend her bottom leg underneath for the manual assistance hip. And I remember like talking with her and being like, you are in your early twenties. Like the level of injury that you have with your knee is putting you on a direct course for knee replacement. And I remember her like, you know, all of a sudden it became real. And I mean, dude, I've been looking down that, that same pitch for a long time. And I think which was good was the knee injury that she had is something that I'd already dealt with. I'd already had that knee injury. I'd already had that level of uh, damage and I was able to rehab it and come back. And so I knew what to do for her and we just started working and she did great and literally got to the point where now she's, you know, squats well, she does everything. I mean, we focused so much on her movement and getting her, you know, with her basics that, you know, all of a sudden you watch her go do the rope climb or the muscle ups or watch her do anything. She does everything very well and very aesthetically pleasing because we put a lot of time in there. There was never this idea that, hey, we're gonna, you know, go here and- Fast track it. Yeah, fast track it. And you know what, she, she competed in the games in 2000 and, 11, 2011 and she finished fourth and 12 fourth and 13 or uh yeah, 2011 no so i'm sorry she competed in 2010 she finished fourth and 11 uh fourth and 12 and then i think six in 2013 i mean so she was three years out of the games where she missed it by like one or two spots and then this year she comes in and just crushes it and should have won the won the regional but finished second so i mean just a testament to her how hard she's worked how much she's developed i mean if you guys had seen um how bad her knee was and the shape that she was in and you know how fucked up her training was and a lot of that stuff i mean you guys would be blown away to see how far she's come so seeing her 
you know, really like grow into the athlete she is and the success she's having. It was, uh, it was really, really awesome for me. Like I, you know, my wife and kids were like sitting there around the computer watching her compete. And like, I, I don't know who was more excited, Kate or I, and like, dude, I, I was like, I felt, you know, like pride, like a, like a parent and in, in like her doing so well, I felt like, you know, to see where she's come and where she's gone, it was really exciting. I'm, I, I'm just hoping the world for her. So and she's a hard worker. So John, maybe that's like a, just kind of impromptu segue on that in the sense that she started this journey five years ago yeah. and has been consistent. Like, I don't think she's taken any significant time off. I know she was working for a while that kept her out of the gym a little bit, but well, yeah, but, she, she taught swimming. So she taught kids how to, she was a swims teacher. So she would be, uh, you know, that was a kind she of, she coached dictated. a team too. I yeah. Think. yeah. So that kind of dictated her, um, her training a little bit. I mean, it's why we couldn't have her on our seminar staff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I, I was forever had wanted her to be on the, the uh, CrossFit football staff, but because she worked every weekend, as swim coach just never happened. And that was kind of a little upsetting because I mean, here's this athlete that I, I mean, I, I wrote programming for, for years and like, you know, contacted every day, and, you know, we would travel up there and have them travel down. I mean, Freddie and China were actually, China's a big fan of Disneyland. So they go to Disneyland a couple times a year. And so they come down to Orange County. Um, so, I mean, it's, uh, it's all about consistency. I mean, I, I was like, Luke was giving me shit. I, I, I don't know if you guys saw on the forums, but, uh, our boy Taylor posted in the nutrition section and I, uh, I fucking lit him up a little bit. And it's because like, you know, he's like, after two weeks, I wasn't making the gains. I'm like two fucking weeks. But he, he for, for, like he represents a cross section of people on that forum. Yeah, well. he does. You but, know, so. but but two weeks. I mean, dude, I, I told Callie. I mean, I remember you know rapping with John Meadows, and we were talking about training, and he's like, you know, most bodybuilders walk around somewhere about fifteen, you know, fourteen to fifteen percent, sixteen percent body fat. It takes them fourteen weeks to get to three or four percent body fat. Uh -huh. He goes at, you know, let's say you're 20% body fat. Like we, you know, let's say I'm, I go in, I'm 20% and I need to be 10%. So I got to lose 30 pounds of fat. Mm -hmm. It'll take me a legitimate 12 to 14 weeks to do that. Uh, not missing workouts, weighing, measuring my food, being consistent, this. And I remember when Removing I was stressed, adding sleep yeah. without like, you, well, I mean, you can do it differently, but you will essentially implode. Well, you won't be able to train. Well, yeah. And, and to, to keep muscle mass, yeah. it's, it's easy just to lose fucking mass. Yeah. Stop eating and fucking, you know, That's don't do anything. Yeah. But I mean, to be able to, to, to keep your lean body mass, keep performance to keep that stuff. I mean, it fucking takes forever and it's tough. And like, so like, Knowing how hard it is and how many people I've worked with that have been in the same conundrum that after two weeks, something isn't working. And I always think like, okay, well, how, how many years have you, or how many workouts have you missed over the last 10 years? How many bad meals have you eaten? How many days have you not worried about your life? Or more importantly, have you not put in with this, or this focus? Why would you think that all of a sudden now your mindset changes and for two weeks and your body should react to it? It's kind of like, uh, you know, studying for finals. It's like, I'm not going to study or do any work. Cram. But then one week before the finals, I'm going to fucking go cram. Mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't work. Or the guy who's studied the entire semester, he goes in and he's like, great, it's just a normal workload. I don't have to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just, yeah, it just, I mean, I, you know, it just drives me crazy. So I see that stuff. I'm like, dude, the secret to this stuff is consistency. I mean, look at China. I mean, dude, China, you know, we've done her diet. Uh, you know, we taught her how to eat. We taught her how to recover. She had to train. I mean, all this. And if you look at her before and after transformation pictures, it was an entire year to transform her. And now you see where she is now. And I mean, it's been yeah. a, a four or five years in the making. Yeah, consistency and progression, right? Yeah. 
It's all about, you know, starting, you know, where am I here? And, and dude, nothing happens in two weeks. Anybody that says, hey, I'm going to get you in shape in two weeks, full of shit. This doesn't fucking happen. And, um, you know, I mean, you have a guy like, you know, I mean, John Meadows, classic example. I mean, complete physique athlete. And those guys, 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. That's four and a half, four and a half months of weighing and measuring your food, getting your sleep, and not missing a training day. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, like that's so for for the superhuman world class elite physique athlete, it takes 14 weeks. So for the average Joe who crushes a taco here and there, like who, who, and and you know what, and then I mean it's I, gonna take I, longer than that well, to get and, that. And and a, a not and also a drug free athlete. Right. So I mean, most of the top pro bodybuilders, I mean, drugs is just part of their sport. Those guys, even training with drugs, still takes them 12 to 14 weeks. So then you're a non-drug addict, you're a drug-free lifter, drug-free athlete, you still eat fucking tacos, you're in college, you go out and have some drinks, and you wonder why in two weeks all of a sudden you're not fucking leaned out. So give it some time. Stay, yeah, stay on it, right? Yeah, it fucking, it, 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 dude, shit takes time. Like, uh, you know, I mean, people, you know, you can ask, you know, how long does it take to get strong? I don't know. Lifetime. Yeah. A lifetime. You know? I was I mean, asked I, that question by a client. Uh, he just started, and he's... He's coming like straight off the couch, you know, straight from the desk work. And he's like, you know, he, he can't do basic, like maybe just squatting, overhead squatting with a barbell. You know, he's like doing it with a PVC pipe. And he's like, man, how long, how long is it going to take me to get fucking strong to do this? And it's like, fuck, I don't know how to answer that. As Here. long as it takes. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep I, fucking doing it. Luke always talks about the Google generation. Everybody wants something now, now, now. Yeah. Don't work that way. Well, no. that's that's really what it is. I mean, that's I think what I was. I, I that that also that that uh, forum post came in like late at night uh, after I forgot what it was. So I was probably I know I was pretty fucking stressed. So my kids have that mode. What's that? Oh, I do. Yeah, I was fucking beat it up. And the better part is, is uh, what 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 I actually typed, I had deleted three times before actually. I went back and I read it to my wife. My wife was like, "You can't write that." So I went back and fucking addressed it. Thank God for Kate. Yeah, my my wife. uh, Write out your email and be like, "Fuck it, fuck," and then be like, "Well, let me back this out." Be like, "No, what I do is I just read it to my wife, and like she'll look at me and be like." Really? I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, I gotta delete that shit. Yeah. But I mean, a it's big like, part yeah. of that becomes this idea that like it, it's really yeah. I mean, it's it's true. It's the Luke Summers generation. It's this you know, I need it now. I want me, 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 me. I want it now. You know, want it now. It's like my kids. Uh, you know, it's like fuck, dude. Like I, I tell my kids every day, I'm all patience, patience, little ones. Like you have to have patience. Uh, you have to be patient and wait for things. Like you just can't have it now. So would you say after, if let's say uh, someone were on a weight loss protocol um, consistently four, six, eight weeks before they would have to, like, what if something just, they were doing it wrong? You know, what if, what would well, be an, an acceptable like, amount of time? So, and, and I guess that's well, contingent. That is like, very- I mean, here, okay, so, so let's take a step back. So when we look at how to kind of really diet somebody out, so we always talk about BMI, BMR, your basic metabolic, or uh, your BM, uh, what is it? Uh, basic metabolic, metabolic rate. rate, so your BMR. Yeah. So that's the amount of calories that your body burns at rest. Like, I didn't get doing out of bed nothing. today. Yeah, doing nothing. What they say, like lying in a room on the floor. Yeah, so just laying in bed, right? So uh, most people are going to, you know, if you're a hard-charging athlete, you're going to be somewhere around 10 to 11 calories per pound body weight. 
Um, you know, I think at one point when I was uh, at like, when I, I think I went in and I got tested, uh, I was 308 pounds and I was eight and a half percent body fat and my BMR was 4,300 calories. So that means that I needed to eat 4,300 calories just to get my body burning normal without doing anything. So the, the theory goes that if you get to your BMR, where you figure out your BMR and you can do it based off a of body fat. There's 8 million calculators on the internet to help you figure this out. Once you get to that BMR, then what you do is you go bust your ass in the gym, you eat to your BMR, you bust your ass in the gym and you let your training be the deficit. So if I need to lose a pound a week, I need to learn to lose 3,500 calories and my BMR is 3,000, great, I'm gonna eat 3,000 and I'm gonna train and at least burn 500 calories in my training. Now, if you're going in and you're doing your warm ups, your conditioning, you're weightlifting and doing all this stuff and you're training for 75 to 90 minutes, you're busting your ass, 500 calories is very, very reasonable for you to burn. So you go in and you train and that becomes a deficit. And then after one week, you're in the deficit 3,500 and then you start losing the weight, you know, and it, it's, it, it's pretty basic. Like it, it's not, you know, but the problem is, is that it's so, it's so simple. It's just kind of a numbers game that, you know, people fuck it up or what do they do? It's like, Oh, you know, well, I'm going to go out and have a cheat meal. Well, then you fucked up your ratio for the week because we don't count calories daily. We count them over a fucking week period of time. So all of a sudden, if I'm, you know, if I've gone and been great for six days and on the seventh day, I go out and I eat a 3000 calorie meal and I eat a pizza and all this, then you just fucked up your ratio for the entire week. So, I mean, a lot of people that we've seen that really struggle with this, it's because they're like, well, I had one cheat meal. Okay. Um, That's because like, they just fucking fall off the wagon. Yeah. And, and you know what? Yeah, well, it's, it's not that it's just, they just don't realize that it's consistency. And then the other thing too, is if you drop the calories too low, what the body does is it slows its metabolism. It slows everything down because it figures it's starving. So what does it do? It just backs off everything that it knows and just goes to starvation and fight calories and hoard calories. Now your body will fight, fight, fight. And then at some point there'll be a breaking point, but you're not going to like the breaking point. And especially for an athlete that's training for performance and trying to get stronger and training and doing all this, it just doesn't work. I mean, it's extremely hard to gain muscle and like, hey, yeah, I want to put on 10 pounds of muscle and lose 30 pounds of fat. I mean, it can be done, but it's a slower process. The easier way to do it is be like, hey, you know what? I, I put on as much. I mean, that's why the bodybuilders always get nice and big, put on as much muscle as they can. And when they, what do they do? Then they cut their body weight down. I mean, that's an easier way to do it. Um, you know, it's it, it's really, I mean, it's not super easy to to go back and completely rebuild yourself and be like, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm you know, 250 pounds right now at 25% body fat, and I'm going to be in six months, I'm going to be, you know, 265 pounds at 5% body fat. I mean, you can do it with drugs, but for the natural lifter, it's, it's tough and no amount of carb load, back loading, side loading, ketogenic. I mean, you can fucking, there's billions of, of uh, internet sites with ebooks that if you buy this, I'll show you the way. It's all fucking bullshit. So for like the general, um, you know, member at a CrossFit gym or something like that, or just wants to lose weight and get better at like CrossFitting, consistency with your diet's really the answer. Eat, yeah, and eat, it all comes down to food quality. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to food quality. Um, you know, we had somebody asking the forums about, uh, you know, carb backloading. And I'm like, dude, I've said it for years at the seminars. I don't care if you front load your carbs. I don't care if you side load your carbs. I don't care if you fucking reload them in, you know, uh, fucking renally load them. Eat real foods. Like, uh, I can't support any diet that doesn't promote food quality. So somebody asked me about carb backloading. I'm like, 
yeah, I mean, that's fine. You can put the carbs anywhere you want, but at the end of the day, any diet that's like, well, I don't, I don't care. You know, all carbs are the same. The insulin response is, is all the same. And it's not, I mean, we know that inflammation is definitely dependent on what type of foods you're consuming. You're going to have less inflammation and less dramatic effect with, with what we deem as our better foods. So just being like, well, I'm doing carb backloading, so I'm just going to go crush a fucking pizza post-workout. I'm like, ah, I just can't get behind anything. Like I, I, it's not the, the method. It's sometimes the, uh, uh, the recommendations that kind of get me sideways on that shit. So, I mean, it's like the zone. I mean, you know, you think about, you know, Barry Sears being like, well, if you spray some artificial butter on that pop tart, you can stay in the zone. I mean, I, uh, I, we need to dig it up, but there was a, a conference when, where that Inclodon basically got up and fried Barry Sears because he got up and said some nonsense like that. And fucking Inclodon went up there and just fried him on it. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, you just can't make these fucking preposterous, outrageous claims, but people want to do it because it allows them to have their cake and eat it too. I can stay in good shape, but I can still eat my pop tart with my spray butter. I can still work out, but I can eat my fucking pizza. And I'm like, dude, uh, it, it can. I mean, and you know what? The other problem, too, with a lot of this stuff is like the, it, it's so um, and this is really where power athlete kind of differs. And we we wrestle with this all the time is about who's your audience? Who are you, you know, what are you training for? Does the program meet the needs of this athlete? And have we established what kind of athlete you are? So I can write a program and say, well, you know what? This worked for me. You should buy my my program or my ebook or, you know, whether it is. And, you know, I squatted a thousand pounds doing this. Great. It worked for you. Am I you? How do I know your program is going to work for me? Well, I don't know. Well, how do, how do you know what athlete I am? I don't know where you are in your training. Do you have 20 years? Do you have two weeks? And there's no such thing as this with one size fits all approach. And it's like, you know, uh, it's, you know, and it just, you know, it kind of boggles us a little bit. And I think where we really are the only one in our space. And I think the, the so good is that, you know, we want to bring it in and figure out who you are and then work to find a program or more importantly, a, a, a training philosophy that works to uh, strengthen and, and create who you are. And that's something we've really been working with. And, as you go through the life cycle of your, you as an athlete and your programming and your what drives your adaptation. So that's that's the big thing that John and I have been talking about is just kind of like life cycle approach, being able to reestablish where you're at. Because it's it, the, the easiest way to explain it is like, what do you do after you exhaust on your progression? Okay, well, it depends on what you're training for. So we have to determine what type of adaptation you primarily gain through linear progression to tell you where to go next. And that's what we're struggling with on how to how to tinker with with that life cycle training model. And that's not how everybody else works. There's, what do they say? I'm gonna do Westside. All right, no, uh, mm, I'm gonna do Outlaw. Now I'm gonna do Invictus. Now I'm gonna do NorCal Labs. I'm gonna do, what, what else is there? You know, And all of that stuff makes the assumption that you are a upper echelon functional fitness athlete, or you have been strength training for a decade. Yeah. No one takes into account the, the intermediate novice steps, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, like uh, Rudy always posts a bunch of outlaw videos and you see some people with some nice lips and it's like, well, yeah, they're fucking, you know, the guy put 20 pounds on his snatch because he fucking snatches every day. You know, Pavel talked about it long ago calling greasing the groove, that if you do a movement more, you will get better. Uh, you look at the field strong right now, we're squatting three or four days a week, front squats, back squats, we're putting them first, we're prioritizing. I will venture to say at the end of six weeks, everybody will be stronger in their squat. <laughs> I know it's fucking crazy, but everybody will be stronger in their squat. 
John, you're giving away. A I mean, it, it's like it, it's like the such thing as magic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, it, I it really becomes. They it's, put these fucking videos, and they see, you know, like you were saying, a guy in an outlaw does this great snatch, and like, oh man, it's got to be, you know, he's doing this training. I I want to do that, and it's it's not that training like you're saying that guy's fucking snatching every single day well, yeah it's i mean it's it's uh you know you watch uh um you know uh, let's say you watch uh, uh you know, girls, you know uh, women's gymnastics or, or you know think, think about it like, like you watch women's gymnastics so let's say you know god forbid you, you watch soccer and you're like wow those guys are really athletic they're really good with the ball they've got great field awareness they can feel they can see presence how do you know i mean all these things and you're like, it's because they're the best in the world. It's what they've done since they were three years old. It's their entire lives. This is all they do. Fuck, they should be good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you bring somebody in and, uh, you know, and, and this is really where we kind of really differ a lot is, you know, and, and I know we beat it like a fucking dead horse, but it's like, what are you training for? Okay, great. Okay, so you're going to, let, let's say you go try and, you know, we'll use uh, a great example like, um, you know, like a juggernaut training systems. So you have those guys that are power lifters and, you know, this is a program for great strength. Okay, great. So, you know, Chad Wesley Smith goes out there, he squats a big number. He's got, you know, these guys and they all squat big numbers. That's great. Um, but the problem becomes is where does the application for, let's say, a field sport athlete? If it was just about strength, then power lifters would be football players. If it was just about, you know, uh, the ability to, to drive a weight in a certain plane of motion. I mean, it, it becomes this like bigger question that, you know, strength training is just, a is, sliver. yeah, it's just a sliver that there has to be a generally inclusive, uh, you know, uh, athletic program that, you know, change direction, movement, lunging, stepping, all this, just basically putting on a bar on your back and doing bilateral, you know, hip hinging, also known as squatting, Doesn't you know, and deadlifting uh, is, yeah, it's great for building a strength, but you know, what's athletic about that? Is there, you know, I mean, we, we always define, how do you define athleticism? You know, the ability to move through space in different planes of motion gracefully and athletically. If you never move your feet, you're technically never doing anything athletic. Like if you watch a guy squat a thousand pounds, you think, God damn, that guy's a great athlete. I don't know. He's right. It's a prime guy. Yeah, he's fucking, that he's strong as shit. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, well, the, the guy's strong. I mean, so think about this. Like, when you watch Olympic lifting, do you think to yourself, like, fuck, that guy's really athletic? Yeah. I mean, athletic enough to pull the lift off successfully. Yeah, but, I mean, is is really Olympic lifting something that you would necessarily look and be like, that's the measure of athleticism? No, but I'd say it's an athletic lift. It's certainly more athletic than uh a deadlift or a bench press. Sure. You know what sure. I mean? You gotta, especially it's a dynamic movement in nature. You gotta, all this timing, take a snatch, you know, something that's gotta be really more technical compared to a bench press. I think the snatch would be a more athletic, athletic of a lift. Yeah, it would be more athletic lift, but I, and, I mean, and I think it's just because most athletic or Olympic lifters are pretty fucking athletic. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've never seen him play basketball. I've never seen him do anything else. So I, I don't know, or, you know, play football or move or run or, you know, do anything. Right. I would say it defines you as an athlete. Yeah. If you can snatch like that, you are a 100% athlete. I wouldn't say that at all. Well, I mean, people use this term athlete and I think they throw it around. Like I, I was reading on uh, Facebook and I read more than a few and Playtech, you'll uh, explain this one to me. I, I read more than a few people talking about the MPFL 
and the fact that their dream of becoming a professional athlete was coming true. And it was so strange for me to read because um, as a professional athlete, I never cared about being a professional athlete. Uh, it just so happened that I enjoyed fucking beating wholesale ass. And the highest level I got to fucking beat, beat people's asses was in the NFL. And by default of liking to do that, I got, I was deemed a professional athlete, which means for pay. I got paid to fucking beat that, beat people up. So, and I think was, that's all the NFL and PFL people are talking about is they've been doing these things at local throwdowns for like t-shirts and uh, bracelets. And now there's an opportunity to get paid. Um, sure. I, think that, I think that's really where the term professional athlete and NPFL is coming from is that now people are getting people, like you said uh, earlier, you're talking about consistency and people training hard and achieving things that are, you know, when they walk through the CrossFit gym, I, I, we had a guy who walked in, he was overweight and um, he's fine enough athlete, you know, played high school football, has a real job, a family. Uh, yesterday he back squatted 190. Um, so like uh, 190 kilos, right? So that's not lightweight for the average, you know, 50 minute CrossFit classer. That that's pretty good, but yeah. it's consistency. And so I think the people who are doing these competitions and trying out for the open and the regionals and such and such, they're dedicating a lot of time. I and mean, you even wrote about it recently on, on field strong about like, if you're going to do this program, you're going to dedicate some time to this program. We expect you to dedicate some time or this isn't the program for you. So I think when they toss around the MPFL professional athlete thing, they're talking about like, look, I've been dedicating a lot of time and now we may not be crushing people like you did on the line or, or, or beating people up or whatever you said, but working hard and now possibly getting a paycheck. So I always look at it a little bit different in that, like when I, I read more than a few people make this comment about their dream being a professional athlete. And actually what I would have, you know, what you said is, and if you had written that, what you probably would have wrote, written it or wrote is now I have the opportunity to compete at the highest level of what I'm doing at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's all it comes down to. Like the only thing like being a professional athlete comes down to is now I get to compete at the highest level. Like that's all I ever wanted. Like the money, like all, all the other bullshit was secondary. The fact that I got to go out and compete against the world's best and got to see exactly how good or bad I was each day. That was all I really ever wanted to do. And I think when I, uh, you know, anything different than that attitude and, or that mindset and you just, and I, to me, at least you, you missed the boat. Like I, you know, I, and I, I knew guys that were more into the lifestyle that, yeah, I'm a pro athlete, I'm an NFL player. And that the ability that they were, you know, doing this and there was that shield was a bigger allure than competing on the biggest stage in the world. And I remember looking at that and always being a little confused because that wasn't my mindset. And, um, you know, yeah, the idea that, hey, you know what, I was doing this for free, I was doing a local throwdown, now I'm gonna potentially get paid, awesome. I think, uh, you know, if there's money to be made and you can get, you can make money from it, fucking go out there and get as much as you can. I don't even know, but John, I don't even know if it comes down to, maybe my, my, uh my point wasn't wasn't clear like i don't think i think a lot of these people are happy to get paid to basically work out right i mean i would be too it'd be awesome but the the fact of the matter is i think that by getting paid by being at a level where um uh, these other competitions you're asked to pay to compete and only the top one or two people actually get any kind of monetary prizes. The rest of them are housing, uh, you know, regular nine to five jobs or, or regular jobs and families and stuff. So now I think it is that they want to compete on the highest stage possible, but being paid provides the opportunity or the platform for them to actually reach the highest level of performance that they're able to reach. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. I feel like if I were able to 
to get a paycheck from doing this. The like I wouldn't I, I don't know, I just feel like the things that I couldn't do now, you know, I would be able to reach new levels of performance. And I think that's where a lot of people talking to people at the MPFL in Vegas, that's what that was the sort of the the ethos, that was the vibe, you know, like was that now all of a sudden, hey, now I'm getting paid to do this and so now I can put all of my time into it. If that's if that's the attitude. I'm fucking, I'm behind it. You know, yeah, I mean, I think that's it, dude. I think these people are like, just imagine the things that have been accomplished by CrossFitters, um, you know, and, and I say it like it's some kind of big feat, but some pretty big snatches, clean and jerks, long workouts. You know, we talk about the CrossFit games all the time and think about like what those athletes go through in a four or five day period. None of us would want to go through that, right? But the top, the top athletes, they train for a living, right? Like yeah. they don't wake up at seven and go to the office and train for 60 minutes after work at the 6.30 PM class at CrossFit local. They train all day long and they're performing feats of human performance that are that are pretty amazing, like broad, but amazing. So I think the MPFL is gonna open up that even more because now these athletes, they're, they're actually getting paid. They're part of a team. They've got a coaching staff. They've got a medical staff. They've got, you know, all the things that a professional team brings to the table that allows them to train, hopefully uninjured and hopefully at the highest level of performing. That was everyone I talked to. That was the, the kind of feeling or the vibe I got is that like, holy shit, we're going to be able to do things as athletes at the highest level that people are going to want to watch it and we're going to want to do it. And yeah, it's great to get paid, but getting paid is actually just a means to allow us to perform these feats of human performance that maybe um, maybe we haven't seen before. That's awesome. Well, dude, I very well hope and I'm stoked to see it. You know, anytime you get people out there and people get to, you know, go out and compete. Dude, I'm stoked to see it. I mean, you know, like, yeah, I mean, fucking crossing. And we're always like, fuck, dude, like this is. You know, you, you know, everybody's living and dying with these athletes because everybody's done the training. And you're like, fuck, man, these guys just did like five workouts today. Like, that's fucking going to kill me. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, a big deal. So it, any uh, any feedback, old man, on uh, on potentially signing with a team? No, no. I mean, I, I reached out to a few of the teams and, um, you know, they have this draft draft thing i guess draft is what it's called i don't know why i call it a draft thing but um in florida in a couple of weeks july 10th 11th and 12th and that's like you know i don't want to dish out a bunch of money to go down to florida if i'm just going to sit there and watch other people get picked um it's not a far drive it's about eight hour drive so i could probably manage it so i'm trying to decide whether to go down so i've been reaching out to some of the teams no don't don't go they'll call you i, I remember uh guys getting invited to go to new york for the draft and then not getting drafted and like the fucking cameras would focus on them it's better to like hey i'm just gonna be at home i got a cell phone please call me okay yeah i would uh i would highly unless you know you're gonna be like eli manning or uh fucking get drafted first like, like, uh, yeah. I mean, the last thing you want to do is like be like the last guy taken, or more importantly, like be in that situation, dude. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking at it a little. Unless different. you want to get out there and have fun. Like, but if you, I guess if you're contemplating it, fuck it. Same, same. Yeah, time, like. Same time, same time. Yeah, I would just be like, hey, you got my cell phone number. If you guys want to draft me, is give, it a, give me is, a call. is like a situation where you have up until like that point to make no. an impression, or is everybody kind of already no. had their mind? No, everyone's already made their impression. It's uh, so how it works is on the 10th, they have the draft. And then on the 11th and 12th, they have like an exhibition tournament of the teams. So that would include like the newly drafted athletes and the already signed athletes. 
Well, how, okay, so explain this, and this is what I was kind of a little confused on. How many of the teams actually were completely full and had already signed all their people before the combine? I think four out of the eight were completely signed. So in well, a oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me take that back. So um, each team was allowed to sign eight athletes um, outside of the draft, and then they have um, eight, nine, 10, 11. I think they have to dress seven men and seven women and then they have three reserves so um four of the eight teams had all but 10 five men and five women selected and then the rest were kind of in between like i think miami had taken like two or three and then dc had taken like seven that sort of thing so they weren't all filled there's there's supposed to be 96 athletes selected in the draft in florida and this this makes me sad because if I don't get drafted, it's like I suck. But um, there were uh, 200, a little like just about 200 people in Vegas, and I think 96 people will be drafted. So it's like fucking coin toss. I'd feel like feel kind of heartbroken if I didn't get selected. But I'm but I'm in the well, master's group, so they're not going to be as many as those guys. So well, yeah, and and it's not like you have like a like a normal job that you worked for your whole life for either, you know. <laughs> I mean, seriously, dude, you're a doctor of psychology and a college professor, and you're ready to fucking cash it all in to go be a professional uh, exerciser. I'm just going to bring you back down to reality. Yeah. And, uh, you got bigger opportunities. I mean, come on, dude. I, as, as much as I want to see you do professional exercise, um, I would think about how much work you did for your PhD. Yeah. I don't know, Steve. I want you to make your own use words and get drafted and then smoke it and be like the top draft pick for next year and then just like have like this several million dollar signing bonus. Tell John jersey chaser. It. What a jersey chaser. <laughs> yeah. Like, Kelly's like, oh my God, I'll totally see you at a bar and pretend I don't know you, but I'll really know you. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, no, I'm just, I'm just giving you uh, the benefit yeah, of the doubt. It's, I, you know, like, I, I think, uh, if, you know, you were, you know, slinging drinks at the local bar or making smoothies at Smoothie King, I'd be like fucking on it. But I mean, it's, right. uh, Oh yeah. 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 I know. I mean, I've got it pretty good. So yeah. <laughs> Play tech that. He gives up his doctor or his PhD, his doctorate and his teaching, uh, tenure to be a professional exerciser. Now I stepped up, but it, that's, it wouldn't require you to quit your gig, your job, would it? No, not this first season. I don't think so. Um, but I, I mean, know. what if they signed you to like a, a far like, okay, so you're in Atlanta and they sign you to uh, the team in DC. LA. Right. So what's, what's happening this year is um, most, except for the team in Phoenix, who's uh, the OPT guys, who basically just got all local OPT guys on his team. Um, uh, most of the teams are going to have like a, a, a week to 10 day training camp. And then before this, because it's going to go draft July 10th, and then the season starts in a month. So they're going to have like a training camp, and then um, then the matches are going to go very quickly this first season. So it's kind of like a rushed season. Um, that's my understanding from everything that's been said or, or flashed around social media. Well, if you don't get picked, we're going to start the not professional fitness league. And we'll sign you. Maybe we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pool. So is it um, unprofessional? The we'll next start looking. We'll, we'll start. Uh, the looking UN. For, uh, we'll start looking for coins in Callie's couch, and uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll feel the power athlete team, right? That's right. I like it. I like it. With our coach Denny, aka <laughs> Denny, what's it take to get strong? I don't fucking know. Pick up the bar. Let me. 
<laughs> Did the Germans give up when they stormed Normandy? <laughs> no, what was it? Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, wait, did, uh, did the Germans give up when they bombed Pearl Harbor? What was that from uh, uh, fucking Animal House? Or are you guys too young to remember Animal remember House? It. That is hilarious. He's like, he did he just say, it? yeah, he's on a roll. Just let him go. <laughs> I want to see like Danny out there with like the little like Mike Ditka mustache, the Chicago Bears sweater. The fucking sweater vest. Yeah, the sweater vest. Sweater vest. Dude, that thing on eBay. <laughs> oh, yeah. is like $150. Is it? Oh, That's it? Vest. That's it? How do you know it's the real one? Well, it's not. It's not the real one. It's a replica one. $150. Yeah, yeah they're you, expensive. You know, the Run DMC warm ups were like $200. Mm-hmm. I was, you have a pair? No, well, I, I was, uh, after seeing um, my seminar staff, how uh, ragtag they are. I'm, uh, I'm trying to find warm-ups so that we can actually have a team outfit. And so I figured, like, run DMC, Velour, Adidas, like, 80s warm-ups would be pretty cool. So. What, what John is actually critiquing is his own T-shirt designs, which he doesn't realize. No. He's just a little butthurt because he just got a haircut yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Long hair, no more. Short uh, hair. Now well, he's got worries. I'm, I'm the only one here that doesn't look well. Short hair, I care. Everybody knows. Yeah, Luke, yeah, Luke <laughs> looks like a fucking homeless who's asshole. Who's the CrossFit Games? What? Who's the only one who's been to the CrossFit Games? <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> oh my god you know i mean uh, maybe there's a chance i might even get a commentating gig at the games but I, 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 think, I think i just did too good at the regionals so yeah. you know that's probably the Peak problem too soon. yeah i mean you know i i i, sh- I shot my load and got all my good mojo out at the uh, regionals <laughs> oh my god it's a shooting reference yeah i got yeah. it <laughs> 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 anyway, are we going to see you guys? Speaking of shooting their load, Callie has uh, got a 4th of July party coming up. <laughs> so anyone who listens is Good invited. Good segue, yeah. yeah. Anybody listening that wants to show up to Callie's house, yeah. what's it called? Dance Dance Revolution? You just go on MapQuest, Google Callie's house. Uh, it's Who's called, house? It's called Callie's Independence house. Day. <laughs> <laughs> Independence Day party. There's dancing at this party? Independence. <laughs> so uh kelly said uh, yeah. uh, kelly did a uh, little like instructional video and it's just her uh wearing like the fly girl outfit from living color and she's doing the electric slide and it's the it's the everybody dance. clap your hands yeah so she's just doing the electric slide i'm like what the fuck is this video and she's like well that's the the it's a video e-bite <laughs> yeah you guys didn't get it yet? No. Yeah, just quiet on the set, please. <laughs> anyway. That, that would go viral, and you'd have, like, 10,000 people at your house. <laughs> well, that would be a bit above average. I. <laughs> well, the fact is that she invited 40, and there was, like, 10 people coming. I was like, yes. Can I, and my, my only question is, can I bring my kids? <laughs> I invited a bunch of people I don't know, so, so there you go. Like all, of the, all, all 12 people listening on yeah. Power Athlete. Yeah. Your question is, Mel going to be there? Mel will not be in attendance. I already invited her. I'm out. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Attend dance. What was her movie again at the wedding? The robot? Uh, I don't know. But my dad, the I went to, dance? my dad yeah, was dancing like a lame to see if anyone would notice. To no avail? I just, like, the EMS had to show up. They were like, this guy's. He, he thought he had a broken leg. <laughs> Anywho, I think, uh, I think, we're out of time. I think we're good. <laughs> Do we have any questions or anything? No. No questions. None. Why? Why is this podcast so long? <laughs> Should we go another hour? No. Well, you know what? Somebody, uh, somebody asked me a question the other day. How long it's going to take for them to get strong? I don't okay. know.
Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is the longer we stay on this podcast, the less people we have. No, no, no. It goes through cycles. So like I noticed like maybe 20 minutes ago, it was like lower. And if the longer we stay on, people are like, oh, like they didn't realize a podcast was on. Like it's like the next day, you know, we just stay on it. It goes in cycles. Well, that's that's Callie's deal with, uh, you know, her significant O. Uh, she just falls asleep. Like they just have their phones next to each other. She's like, I just want to hear you, hear your voice or a breath when I'm sleeping. So. And what's crazy is they're in the same room. Yeah. On the phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody, somebody asked me the question about bench pressing, shooting your hips up, hips up off the bench. Yeah, it's called an athletic bench press. Why is why do they allow it in a football combine? But if you go to you know a meet. Hips got to stay on the bench, you know. Because yeah, uh, high, high school football coaches don't really know what good technique is, so we call that an athletic bench press, and it's uh, that term is not something positive. No. So if somebody were to say, "Wow, that's a really athletic bench press," that's actually like uh, uh, like doing a bridge on the ground. Violent hip extension. Yeah, like yeah, that's that's kind yeah, of slap in the face. Is there any kind of a carryover if if my athlete can bench? No. 200 kilos by shooting his fucking hips up off the bench. Is he going to be able to go out in the field and fucking uh, no, well, teach you the league with your hips kind of shit? And, you know, well, my you, initial thought was like, well, no, because you don't fucking throw your hips at somebody when you fucking block them. No, it, it's just uh, it, it's a way for people to generate force. So what they do is they, they usually bounce the shit out of the bar. So they sure. like drop it and like break their sternum. And as they're going up, what they're gonna, what they do is they shoot their hips off, and effectively, what it does is it creates more of a decline movement, and you're stronger right. in your decline. So it's not, it's a, it's fucking terrible. And you can tweak your back out super hard, like you're. Uh, yeah, you can. Your yeah. lower back. They're like, well, you know, you see it in the like the, the 20 rep or the 225. Um, you, you don't see that as a column. That's all they're fucking doing. As, and they as, assume, uh, well, they allow it in that. At the NFL Combine, they will count you no rep. Oh, nice. So. There you fucking go. There Dear. you fucking go. <laughs> there you fucking go. on the bench. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. What about kyphosis, dude? Uh, rounding of the upper back? Yeah, bad posture. Yeah, we you usually know. call those guys Captain Kyphosis when I see them. So if you ever see somebody really round the upper back, just being lazy. I call it a deal well, no, breaker. I mean, there's like degenerative kyphosis. Yeah, usually it comes yeah, from it, it usually comes from head position. All day shit. No, so what what happens is is as your head falls forward, the body goes to create balance, and so that's where the kyphosis comes from. It actually comes from a, a shitty head position. Well, I guess to give some background on what Danny's talking about, he has a he has a couple athletes that he's trying to. Reverse. Address and try to, re- you know, just yeah, try to reverse and that stuff. It's uh, traction. Like scapular depressions and retraction. It all has to do shoulder girdle strength and, and it, it, It's all about head position. So what, head what you have to effectively get them to do is create traction and actually move their head back. I mean, think about like like like, like just just sit up and like pull your head way forward and you actually feel your upper background push your head all the way back to the point where you're even trying to like make a double chin and all of a sudden you'll lift your chest. So Pretty the- Double chin count. Oh, you're I'm doing that right now and the people outside are looking like, what the fuck's this guy doing? <laughs> the problem is you're not wearing any pants. So <laughs> making it weird. Head movement then. Yeah, so yeah. driving head. that head back. I think dead bug type stuff. Head position. Driving that chin back in a dead bug. 
Nice. All right. Neutral neck on pull-ups. Yep. All right, guys. Well, we crushed it. We're at time. Yeah, we are good. So cool. Uh, any updates? Uh, let's see. We got certs this weekend, Boston and Indiana. Then next weekend, we are in nowhere. Home, Fourth of July. That's oh, independent dance, dance, dance Day. revolution. Independence party. And then the week after that, where are we at? Uh. July is no, nothing. Yeah, we're not oh, doing it. Oh, we got the games. Yeah, we got Texas High School Coaches Association. And the games. And then the games. So uh, we got a little summer break for Power Athlete, kind of, I guess, for people seeing Power Athlete, but we're going to be on the on the grind definitely throughout that one. Well, so are you, Denny, you're coming out in July, right? Absolutely. You still going to be able to pick me up from the airport? Yeah, we'll get – Levi will be there. I'll be there. <laughs> oh, you're going to send your, you're gonna send your guy. Yeah, I got a guy. We got a guy for you. We'll pick you up. As long as I can throw you on my moped, Denny, and then we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Denny's cool. Well, I got to wrap my hands around your chest. Like yeah, a whole fight. <laughs> you don't have to, but if you want to, I guess you can. It's only awkward if you make it awkward. So, so, I'm fine with it. So. All right, guys. Well, let's let's hit up. Uh, let's connect next week. And uh, we have we have a guest next week? Next week. Is that Mark? Uh, it's Mark Watt. Yeah. Okay. That cool. would be next Tuesday. Beautiful. We're going to shoot for next Tuesday. All right. Well, I miss you guys already. <laughs> Thanks. All right. It's okay. not a joke. It's not Adios. a joke. All right. Bye. Adios. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did they do it?